Good morning, Rabotai. Breakfast a class is sponsored today by Leora and Jonathan Kohano from Los Angeles in honor of their Shana Rishonah and his Bar Mitzvah Parasha for uh, health, success, Shalom Bayit, and to help spread the Torah to all the Jews through the foundation. May HaKadosh Baruch Hu bless you and the community to gr- continue to grow and achieve great heights. Hazako Baruch, Leora and Jonathan, and Mabruk and Mazalto. This week's Parasha actually has an ocean of mitzvot. So it's uh, aptly named Ve'ela HaMishpatim, and these are the laws, because there are many, many, many laws that are encompassed in the parameters of the, of the parasha. It begins and tells us a little bit about the Eved Ivri, and it's a strange thing to start with, if you think about it. Why in the world would the first mitzvah that we're going to hear about, after the giving of the Aseret debrot of the Luchot, why should you start with a mitzvah called the Eved Ivri, a Hebrew slave? And the answer to my, uh, to my uh, greatest uh, pleasure to share with you is actually that it's not the mitzvah that it begins with, which is the important takeaway, but rather the one that it ends with. The pasuk tells us that if the, at the end of six years, this Eved Ivri, this Jewish servant, this Jewish worker, he doesn't want to leave the house of his, uh, of his master. They take his ear and they pierce his ear by the delet, by the door on the way out of the, of the house that he was supposed to leave. And the fascinating thing about this is, the Gemara says, why is it that we pierce the ear of this man? Because the ear that should have heard, the ear that should have heard at Har Sinai, that the Jewish people are servants and slaves to me. They're not servants to other servants. You're going to allow yourself to be the servant of another human being? How could you do such a thing? Your servitude is only supposed to be to God. The ear that heard that and didn't take in the message should be pierced. Our rabbis tell us that what is it that we benefit with the piercing of the ear? And I saw the most beautiful hidush, the most beautiful novel interpretation on this. The Gemara tells us that every single part of the construction of the human body was designed to be able to make them the very, very best receptacle for the Torah and for the dissemination of Torah and the keeping of Torah in this world. And therefore, we've learned many times about this idea that the concept of two eyes, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai explains, is that a person should be able to see things from more than one perspective. The idea of the fact that you have two ears is that a person should be able to hear things from, different, from both sides. Also, as well, the fact that you have two ears and one mouth, it's to teach you that a person should listen twice as much as he speaks. The creation of the human being, as we are told in the, in the Mishnayot, the Mishnah says, when it's referring to and expressing this idea of the Pasuk in Bereshit, the Pasuk in Bereshit says <clears throat> that God said, let us make man in our image, let us make him in our image. And it doesn't just mean that he was given this soul, but rather even the creation of the human body was designed in a way that it should be able to be functional as a tool to imitate and to emulate God. Having said all of that, that brings us to something which I think is, is fascinating. The idea, says the Gemara, why is it that the ears, the top of the ears have cartilage in them and the bottom of the ear is pliable, there's nothing in them. It's called the Aliyah, the Gemara asks. Says the Gemara, because a person is supposed to, when it comes time to hear something that he's not supposed to hear, like Lashon Ara or whatever, that he should be able to take the bottom of his ear and fold it in, and that acts as something to allow him to not hear. That's what it says. Seder Chachamim, beautiful. Here's a man who stood at Har Sinai. He stood at Har Sinai. 
How could it be that he didn't hear this sentence, Kili ben Israel, Avadim v'lo Avadim la Avadim? How could it be? There's two possibilities. One is that he was closing his ears when he was receiving the Torah. And the other opinion is, the other possibility is, that his ears heard so much, Lashon Ara, other things, that it stopped up his vessels for hearing. And when it came time to hear the right thing, everything was just more fake news, Ya'ani, not important things. So he didn't take it in. Says the halakha, that you pierce the ears, so even when he covers, even when he puts it in, there's still a method and a way to be able to allow the truth to enter. Rabotai, the reason why I give you this introduction is because I think that some of the things that we learn about are heard in that same, in that same fashion. And what do I mean? We read about the Pesukim that talk about not stealing, and we hear maybe perhaps the broadest, loudest elements of it, and those things we take on board, but we're not listening carefully enough. And what do I mean by that? If you saw an old lady walking down the street, would you run up to her, grab her purse, and run away? Of course not. Stealing. You're joking? Steal from an old lady? But the truth is, as far as the moral fiber that it takes to steal from an old lady or to overstate a sale, to take advantage of someone that doesn't know the market, that's considered a good salesman, and this is considered the most despicable scourge on the face of the planet. There's no difference between the fact that this is an old lady with a purse and this is an unsuspecting buyer who's you know, foraging into, he didn't recognize that this was made out of a different material. In both cases, it's exactly the same thing. It's stealing. Stealing is stealing is stealing is stealing is stealing. However, and I love to point this out, if you take, you can try it now, you take the bottom of your ear and you put it in your ear, you can still hear what's going on. It's just a little bit foggy. I think sometimes we hear the broad outlines of what Torah is asking for, but we're not listening carefully enough when the Torah says not to steal. What does that mean? Now, there's an amazing uh, story that I, that I was reading about a, a tremendous Talmud Chacham. His name was Rabbi Avraham Genechovsky. And the, uh, the, what's it called? He was someone that was very, very special. And when he passed away, a lot of the students were speaking about, aside from his greatness in Torah and his Midot, they spoke about one thing in particular, his absolute unwavering adherence to honesty and to ensuring that he never stole anything from anybody. There was a, a certain man that Rabbi, Rabbi uh, Genachowski needed to ask a favor from. He lived on the top floor of the apartment building. There's a knock at the door who's standing there, the great Gaon, Rabbi Avraham. He says, Rabbi, I see you're sweating. You know, did you take the stairs all the way up here? And the rabbi says, yes, I did. He says, why? We have an elevator. You're an old, elderly man, chashuv person. You're trudging up all these flights of stairs. Rabbi Avraham said to him, I came to ask you not for a favor for you, but for a favor for me. So if I'm using, if I'm coming to the building to do something for you, I could use your elevator. Who gives me the right to use your elevator for my own purposes? Do you understand the level of care and concern that he had with regards to taking something that didn't belong to him? There was one time he was studying with a bunch of the yeshiva boys, and he was in the yeshiva, and it came time he needed to get something from the library for reference and to carry on the shiur. Now, the library at the time, it was undergoing some sort of renovations. They couldn't fit everybody into the library, so they closed the library, and they said that there was a sign on the door. It said the library during the, you know, this period is off-limits to students. Rabbi Avraham, he asked all the boys of the shi'ur to come with him and to bring a folding table. Bring a folding table. They bring a folding table. Rabbi Avraham tells them, please set up the table. He puts the table half in the library, half in the hall. 
He sits inside the library in the, what's it called? And the boys are sitting in the hall. In the three, and they ask him, what are you doing? He says, the sign says that the boys are not allowed. It's not my yeshiva. How can I bring the boys? I'm allowed, I'm staff. It says only the boys are not allowed. I'm allowed to go in the library. How could you go into the library? They said, so why don't you get the book and bring it out? He opens the book and it says in the front of the book that the books are not allowed to be removed from the library. So he's sitting in the library, he's allowed to sit in, using the book exactly where it's supposed to be used. And where are the boys? The boys are sitting outside in the hall. You know, sometimes a person thinks, ah, you know, it says that someone stamped it in the book, whatever, you know, I'm, I'm doing a misvah. I'm going to take the book from the library, I'm going to study downstairs. It says Asur, how could you do that? How could you do that? Geneva. They say about the stifle once, he was sitting outside, and they asked him as he was waiting for a cab, they said to him, you know, why don't we just get you a chair? You could sit while you're waiting for the cab. The stifle refused. Why? He said, this sidewalk belongs to the public. To stand on the sidewalk, I'm allowed to stand like anybody else. But to set up a chair on the sidewalk, that someone from the public who the sidewalk belongs to should have to walk around my chair? Do you understand? When we talk about Gidolim, great people, a lot of times I think we think we're talking about people who are giants in Torah. But to me, along with their Gedgadlut in Torah, if they were not giants of Midot, giants of being scrupulous, with the needs of others, with emet, with geneva, then how could they be called gedolim? And conversely, there are also people who did not know very much Torah. They were raised in non-Jewish schools back in the day when that's where everybody sent. But they were honest to a fault. They cared about the community. They were giants. Are those not also gedolim? There's a different type of gedolah. This one is a gadol in Torah. This one is a gedol. And you know, there's no question that that person is tremendous. Kiddush Hashem and, a, and a, a person to emulate and to learn from and to learn from as well. Rabotai, uh, in the Torah when it says, When a person gives his neighbor either money or vessels, they ask him to hold on to something. And it was stolen from the house of the person. We learn the halakha is that if someone is a, is a shomer, if there's someone who's supposed to be guarding something, they're supposed to be guarding a vessel, and that object is stolen from their home, then if it's, if it's, they have to make a shivuah. And not only that, by the way, if the person was being paid to watch it, even if he didn't steal it, but he allowed it to get stolen. I thought one thing that's worth just sharing is that sometimes a person, they don't want to be honest, they want to say, look, I'm not doing it. Someone comes to them and they have company, they say, why don't you do this? Look, I'm not doing it, it's not honest. But what they fail to continue to say is, and in my house, and in my business, you can't do it either. What, the point here is to keep your paws clean so no one can catch you? Or is the point here that this is not morally collect or justifiable? If that's the case, you say that, that that does not get done in this business either. Any place that I work, anybody that's in that business, that's what the, the pasuk says, if you're supposed to be watching something, it was stolen from the house of the man. It's true as well with your business. It's true as well with your house. A person's obligation also to their children to teach them a specific tra a trade and skill to allow them when they get into the big working world to be able to make an honest living for themselves is crucial. In fact, it's one of the mitzvot that our rabbis teach us to teach your son an opportunity and a way to be able to make money. Because if you don't teach him that, you're ensuring that that child will rely on sketchy, sketchy methods later in his life. May HaKadosh Baruch Hu always bless us 
to be upstanding Kiddushay Hashem in this world. Baruch Adonai Le'olam.